your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom, and this is Anthony Chagoski, UW Happy Lacrosse. Happy Friday, Rick. Political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. I uh, I was reading, uh, I think I was reading a UWL, uh, like a news release. can't remember what it was about. It was a Mayo and... Oh, yeah. Mayo and UWL, like, combining. For the student health services. Yeah, and... It was, and I don't know if Mayo put it out or UWL, but every time they mentioned UWL or Mayo, it was Mayo Clinic Health System. Oh. And then it was U- University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Like it was very, all written out. Like whatever. I was just kind of like, so I'm editing it. I'm deleting all those and putting UWL because it makes it a little more easy to read. But in there, they put, uh, they, they quote Joe Gao. Sure. But he's Dr. Joe Gao. Right. But they did Joe Gao, comma, PhD. Oh. So I'm like, do I need to do that when I quote you in a story? <laughs> does does putting doctor in front of your name infer that you are like a medical doctor versus after your name putting PhD? Is that a thing? That's I never thought about it. That's a great point because doctor means very different things depending on who you're talking about in the Mayo Clinic story. Yeah, you're that's true. talking about Joe Gao or Mayo Clinic guy. That's right. Maybe that's why they did that. I just it, it just occurred to me I'm like it's just like my AP style writings and uh what I'm doing journalistically and then like, oh yeah. It's like if you I break your leg, don't talk to Joe Gao, talk to Mayo Clinic right. guy. Talk to the other guy quoted in the story. <laughs> he's the actual doctor. Don't you hate it when he's the actual doctor? Yeah, but he's the, not the real doctor. He's the actual medical professional, I should say. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. That's a number I've memorized. Yeah, it's a number I've memorized. Well, one of the things we wanted to, <laughs> to, to get to, and it was just, uh, some random tweet you saw, right? Yeah. Random tweet, a public opinion poll. Uh, a poll on how many phone numbers do you have memorized? How many phone numbers do you have memorized? So I have two in here, although I, I don't trust myself to memorize the wisdom hotline when I have to give it to like Ron Kine's going to be on Monday. Okay. So I give his handler the, the hotline, but I have to go double check because I don't want Ron Kine to call the wrong number. But I know I know what the wisdom hotline. I know obviously the wisdom line. I know my mom's phone number. I know my parents landline. Okay, we're up to three. And I know my phone number, obviously. Four. And that's that's it. Seven seven nine four zero seven four. That's my friend Tim's phone number from uh, high school. Let's all call him now. Uh, it's a landline. They all moved. Oh, Nobody God. lives there. It's right above the drive-through, though. See, that's where I, they used I'm to only at three because I know the Wisdom phone number. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I know my wife and my dad. Okay, why do you know the Wisdom phone number? Is it because is it because Hayes has you call in? Or, no, it's because I hear it every time I'm in studio. Oh, yeah. There you go. to nine one four. It yeah. just rolls off the tongue that at this point. That makes sense. Because I was thinking there was a while there we were doing this over over sure. uh, over the phone. And I was thinking, like, how many times has Rick hung up on Tregoski that he's had to memorize the number to call back, you know? Yeah. But no, that's the diff- That's the other line anyway. I am on the verge of memorizing the number Hayes calls me from when he's trying to book me for the yeah, morning that, show. Oh, that might be his office number. Or it might be the hotline is. here. Yeah. 
Um, and you should have that hotline just so you can call in with your hot takes. Nice. That's why it's a hotline. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you get, if you want to uh, get in on on this, just shoot us a text. How many phone numbers? And maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be a br- big, long description, but just be like, mom, it'd be like five. And then be like, mom, dad, and Domino's. I almost said I memorized Corky's, Corky's Pizza because I call them about, uh, at least once a week to go to, <laughs> to order takeout. But I definitely don't have it memorized because I just I just I just write Corky's in my it's in my phone. I have Corky's pizza in my phone. That's how. Well, when I was trying to order Corky's, I will, my first instinct as a millennial was to look online for a website that I could order from. I mean, that's a big way that technology has changed life. My first instinct when I'm ordering pizza is where's the website, not where's the phone number. Yeah, we've we've eliminated the ability for not eliminated the ability. We've eliminated the the like you don't want to do it just like the, human the, to human the dilemma of having to make a phone call i yeah. want to say it's not a dilemma though but it's just inconvenience we've sure. eliminated sure. the inconvenience of the phone call because man if if i could you know and going online and ordering is fine like there's a lot of apps like a lot of the big companies have apps and and they always offer deals and that's why you do the apps but man if i could just text the the owner of corky's and be like hey give me the Give me the Rick because it's the same every time. <laughs> Give me the Rick special. Yeah, and he knows me in there, so it's kind of funny. Um, all right, Kent's calling in. I think Kent would probably uh, have a take on this. Kent, the North Side mayor, uh, used to be working out of the old defunct Burger King up there, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, to-go ordering. Kent, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, I'm still at the Burger King. They ain't done nothing with it yet. But hey, Doc, how's your little girl doing? She is 12 weeks old, Kent, and... It feels like two weeks sometimes, and it feels like two years sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know, you can snap your fingers. One day she's going to come up and go, hey, Doc, can I have the keys for the car? Oh, you got that right, Ken. I don't know if she's calling him Doc, though. <laughs> you should call him Doc. Everybody call I call him Doc. But anyway, I'm proud of you. Hey, at least you remember 785-7914. Half the time when Rick comes on here, is like, oh, what day is this today? Yeah, I don't remember the day off. What's going on? But I've explained that, Kent. Do you know why why that is? Why? When when I'm writing news, I'm writing news for tomorrow. So I have to know what, I have to know, I have to, and then tomorrow I'm writing today, and then if it's the day before, I have to write yesterday. So I never know what day today is until it's Friday or unless it's Monday. (laughs) I hear you. You're a day ahead or a day behind. Yeah, definitely. All right. I love you guys. Hey, great show. Talk right. to you. Great show. We well, haven't even got into it yet. Thanks, thanks yeah, for the call. Let's not make any um, assumptions yet. The uh, January 6th glued popcorn last night? January 6th? It, you know, it was because they had some, let's just say, amusing footage. We all love the blooper reel in movies, don't we, Rick? Yeah, everything. Yeah, always sunny bloopers. Yeah, always yeah, uh, we, Seinfeld bloopers. You know, I remember back in the day, you'd go to the movie theater and you would wait for the credits to roll because maybe the blooper reel would be running during yeah, the credits. John Candy movies. I think there's a couple of John Candy movies. Nah, I could be wrong. Steve Martin? I don't know. One of those those like 80s movies, they, they do the blooper. Oh, you know what it was? Burt Reynolds in like... Uh, the where he's where he's driving the Trans Am. They always do the blooper reels with him and the chubbier guy. Man, oh. So, oh, I'm gonna get 50 texts yep. uh, from that. Actually, number three, I would get to you here, but we got to take a break. Um, but January 6th committee, it was a it was a season finale, or was it 
a show finale. Is there going to be a season two, you think? It was a season finale, including the blooper reel as the credits right. roll so there, with President Trump giving his yesterday. speech, taping his speech on the 7th of January. Do you think Having there's a, a hard time with that word yesterday? Do you think there's a season two? There will be a season two. All right, we'll be back. All right, I guess we got to do some work. Yeah. Get back on the air. Cannonball Run. Those were the bloopers. That was the blooper reel. That's what we were doing. We were watching uh, Cannonball Run bloopers from the 1981 movie with Burt Reynolds. And uh, Burt Reynolds, Roger Moore, Farrah Fawcett, Don... Oh, there he is. Dom DeLuise. That's the... I think that's Uh, Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bringing back some old memories. I was three in 1981, and you were probably negative. I was negative something. But bringing back the memories of when, during the credits at the movie theater... You would have the blooper reel. Yeah. I'm bringing those back. Why don't they do that? Especially during Marvel movies, because you've got to wait around anyway. Yeah. You've got to wait for the stupid end credits. The the one that's like a minute long, and then there's one that is 13 seconds long, and you're like, really? I just waited 15 minutes of my life for that? Yep. Unbelievable. We got to get rid of those. Um, All right. So I know the January 6th hearing happened yesterday, and it was the season finale, and we we can get into that in a minute. But like, can we just, can we just do some of the stuff that happened? In Wisconsin sure. over the past week. A do, lot. do you want to do the like Tim Michaels fake NRA ad <laughs> or the that the the random interview with WISN where he's outside of Robin Voss's house and Robin Voss is getting the mail? What is that video? Yeah, so Matt Smith from WISN in Milwaukee was for some reason out with Robin Voss in Robin Voss's district. Robin what? Voss is the Republican state assembly speaker. What was maybe Voss going door to door and he was He was, Rick, and the reason it. is he has a challenger in the upcoming primary election. Oh, Drop there the goes cherry. there goes the cherry. I got cherry. cherry. I bought okay, so I gotta do this because if it was on video it'd be funny because you would watch me try <laughs> to catch this. That's a blooper reel for yeah, the That's a blooper reel right there. I, I went to the grocery store, bag just giant bag of cherries, and then on sale, five dollars, right? So I'm like five dollars for all these cherries. And then uh, check out, I got some other things, get to the car, and I'm like, that was a lot for, that was a lot of money I just paid for the little bit of groceries I got. Look at the receipt. Oh, $5 a pound for these cherries. I got three pounds of cherries. Oh my. I thought I was getting them for five bucks. No, I paid $16 for cherries. So, <laughs> so I am eating cherries for the rest of the weekend. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm not even going to say it, the color of my, you know, anyway. So I dropped the cherry. It's going to, I'm going to step on it later. Hayes is going to hit it on Saturday. Yeah. All right. I'm going to true Cherry. Go ahead. Okay. What are we doing? Robin okay. Voss and Robin Voss, Assembly Speaker, most powerful state legislator in Wisconsin, Republican leader. I have to spit this the, <laughs> the thing somewhere. <laughs> so made it into the garbage. This that's why I like the maraschino cherries. Well, if you're walking, if you're doing door to door campaigns too, I mean, you could bring cherries. You spit sure. them in people's yards, and then next year there's all kinds of cherry trees everywhere. Rick, this is one of many reasons why I would never run for office. First of all, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so I would have no chance of winning because yeah. I'd have to run as a third party. Secondly, I'm way too shy to go door to door. Yeah, like I isn't it just kind of weird to go up to someone random's door and knock on their door and ask them to vote What's, for you? Well, we were talking about how many phone numbers do you know? Do you know? It's oh, literally three minutes before the show comes out. I got a, a robo, not a robocall, but like a, a somebody called me about, hey, we run this national opinion something. Do you have a couple of minutes? I'm like, actually, no, I but I would get your opinion over the air if you want to call me back on this 608-785-7914. I'm like, no, I don't have any time. Sorry. And he's like, he kind of like, really? You don't have any time? 
But what's more imposing, having to go door to door as a, a Republican or a Democrat, right? You're already like, I, I, I don't like you or I'm going to, I'm already voting. For, I don't know. Or or having to cold call somebody because uh, that's what they ha- also have to do once they're in office, right? 75% of their time is call, uh, calling, asking for money. I'm curious what people think about this because political science research shows that the door-to-door technique is the most effective way of persuading people and reaching people and gaining support. There have been studies that compare phone calls versus mailers versus door-to-door, and the research shows that the door-to-door is most effective. It is kind of intrusive, though, and again, I'm way too much of an introvert, way too shy to do that. Well, and then, what, two years ago, that was, you you really had to, I mean, what was, uh, who is the Senate, uh, Kapanke, um, his whole campaign was, his whole campaign online was pictures of him in front of people's doors. That was like his, hey, look at me, I'm going door-to-door, which in any other year would, would have been a good strategy, but that year is like, well, Dan, are you wearing a mask? Are you going into these people's house? I had Rebecca Cook on, I think this week. As here's where Kent does. I don't know what day it is. I think she was on Monday, um, or Latin. I, I think it was Monday. Uh, yeah, it was. And and she said, uh, you know, the rule is you don't go into people's houses. And then she said, well, I break I break that rule every once in a while. So I think she talked about she went into an old woman's house and you know because they got chatting Aww. right. So uh, could have been totally rehearsed and she staged that just set me up to get that. No, I'm yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it does make sense, but also yeah, seems very very odd and and very inefficient, right? One it at a is time, extremely. Because how many? I mean, kind beat Derek Van Orman by ten thousand votes. How many doors could you really hit? There's ten. Like, I got to hit at least ten thousand because that's how close the race is going to be. Yeah, it, it's really tough to pull off. If you can pull it off, it does seem to be the best way to reach voters, get them on your side, according to the research. But, yeah, Robin Voss was out knocking the doors in his district because he has a primary challenge from people who think he's like a sellout in his party because he doesn't support decertifying the electoral votes from Wisconsin in the 2020 election. He's been under lots of pressure from President Trump. And what was so startling from this interview with Matt Smith of WISN Milwaukee. By the mailbox. By the mailbox. Looks like by a mailbox. In some neighborhood in his district. He said that a week ago. Donald Trump called him. Yeah. Matt goes, uh, when's the last time you talked to President Trump? And Voss goes, a week ago. And Matt's like, oh, I got a story. That was <laughs> not the answer I bet Matt Smith, the reporter, was expecting. But it ended up being a fantastic story. Made national news. Got picked up by all the national outlets. Yeah, Wisdom picked it up. Wisdom picked <laughs> it up. Rick Solom of Wisdom picked it up. It was a big story because as the January 6 hearings are going on, Donald Trump is still calling state lawmakers, the most powerful state lawmaker in Wisconsin, trying to get the election decertified. In fact, today, Rick, the chair of the Campaigns and Elections Committee in the Wisconsin State Assembly, Janelle Branchin, called for the election to be decertified. So this is something that Robin Voss is facing increasing pressure pressure over. He's got the Gableman investigation, Michael Gableman, the former state Supreme Court justice. How, how, how gross is it that I'm like spitting cherry things out well, as you're I'm breaking this down? I'm trying to break down. down politics while you're just spitting <laughs> just a, everywhere. What are, they, what are they called? I always forget. The, the cherry in the middle, the the thing, the seed in here. What the is pit? it called? The pit. There yeah. it is. Couldn't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Tregoski's breaking all this down and spitting cherry pits into the garbage here. I'm four for four, though. I'm four for four. So Robin Voss said that he heard the president out, that he reiterated the... Respects his opinion, something like that, right? Well, that's the strange thing that Robin Voss said. 
he respects President Trump's opinion, but said that it would be unconstitutional to decertify the election. All of the election experts, the legal experts, even the most conservatives, uh, even the most conservative legal experts say that it would be impossible to decertify the electoral votes. So it's a little strange that you would respect someone's opinion if you view their opinion as just being utterly wrong. But that's the dilemma that Robin Voss faces. He is under continuing pressure from Donald Trump. Donald Trump put out at least two statements this week going after Robin Voss, talking up Robin Voss's primary election challenger, trying to maybe get rid of Robin Voss, maybe teeing that up, trying to get leadership change in the Wisconsin Republican Party. The statement that Trump put out, too, is a little bit ache to what we just did last night with all these, not just last night, but the January 6 hearings, right? Robin Voss says uh, the, the the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled on election ballot uh, bo- drop boxes going forward. They're not going to be legal. Donald Trump's statement doesn't is, is all is a basically about how the drop boxes were illegal. Therefore, decertify the election. And Voss is kind of like, well, you're you're misinterpreting what the law says. And this is this is how this is how this whole January six all this has happened is Donald Trump puts out statements. People listen to those statements a little harder now because you got to go to what Truth Social. Truth that- Social. Yeah, you can't go to Twitter. He's not on Twitter or Facebook anymore. He's on his own Truth so- Social platform, and but and he he's put out about a dozen Truth Social posts. And I his, don't even know what to call them. Like Twitter, it's tweets. The the truths. Truths. He put because, out about a dozen truths during and, the hearing last night. And the one that he's saying is here isn't truth at all. It's he's misinterpreting how drip ballot drop boxes are. But people read that and go what. Uh, that's really in the, he's the pre, right, former president. So he's like the former president saying that these were illegal. We need to and actually no, that's not how we're interpreting that at all. Yeah. Donald Trump is saying that the the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling on drop boxes has something to do with 2020. It doesn't. It only has to do with elections going forward. Now, that does have a major effect on elections in the upcoming several months, the August primary and the November general election. It means that you have to mail in your ballot or you have to in person drop off an absentee ballot or just vote in person on election day. It has nothing to do with the past election. It's not retroactive. You, it's all about future elections. Have you deep dived, deep dove, deep dive, this dive on ballot drop box, uh, absentee ballot drop boxes? Have we? I, I talked to the city clerk and I think we've used these for years. Yeah, there was a comprehensive survey by the Associated Press. They asked elections officials all over the country, basically saying, hey, did you have any issues with drop boxes? Any concerns about fraud? Any concerns about... But we didn't throw these out here for the 2020 COVID election and go, eh, we're going to use these this year. We've been using these. Yeah, drop boxes are nothing new. Absentee voting is nothing new. So if we're going to decertify elections, we go back to when (laughs) the first time we used the ballot drop box, right? We'll start there, and then we'll move forward. How would that work? So what president won that election? It would... And then why would why would the use of I guess you could you could record how many votes were taken through ballot drop boxes. So you sure. Could, and then we would have to rehash the numbers. So have we have we done that? Have we rehashed the numbers? If Trump lost by twenty thousand votes, were twenty thousand of the would the difference in ballot drop box votes be uh, be Republican versus Democrat? Oh, for sure, because there was a huge difference in how people voted during the pandemic. Republicans overwhelmingly voted in person, oh, did they? which okay. is different 
been before. In the past, Republicans had really pushed voting by mail, especially in states like Florida and Arizona with, let's just say, an older group of people. Yeah. Um, you go because, there to retire. Yeah, like for years, Republicans in southern states have been saying vote by mail, vote by mail, vote by mail, because they have elderly voters who they're concerned about making it to the ballot box. They just want to make sure they vote, make it as convenient as possible and for now people the, who may now, have mobility issues. And now the Wisconsin Supreme Court has deemed that those older voters, people with mobility issues, you have to go to the mailbox at least. Yeah, the... <laughs> Interesting part of this ruling was that you have to be the person who puts your ballot in the mailbox. It can't be someone else who does it for you. That's raised concerns about people who have mobility issues, people with disabilities. All of those things have really caused quite a bit of confusion as the election approaches. But long long story short, Rick, the big thing that made this an issue was the ideas of Donald Trump that there was fraud done by drop boxes and mail-in voting, that dramatically shifted how the two parties preferred to vote. And now we have a situation where drop boxes are no longer a thing here in Wisconsin. It is an issue that was bought to the fore because during the pandemic, voter preferences more generally shifted dramatically, but that was particularly true of Democratic voters. The city will have three ballot drop boxes and they will be manned. They will be manned. I think that the one on the north and the south side will only be available on Wednesdays. Right now, I think that's happening now. They'll be available Wednesday and then the one at City Hall will always be available. And it's a smart solution by the city to make voting as convenient as possible while still adhering to the state Supreme Court ruling. All right, we got to take a break. See, this is a good Friday song. We're just reliving the 90s during the break. Yeah, we we're just reminiscing about the. Do you remember? So, old phone numbers, we talked about that. Like, where the, you actually had to write them. Do you remember the big book that you'd have where you had all the phone numbers written down? A phone book? Well, where you would handwrite them. Uh, Like like a black book? Yeah, because my mom had one of those where she had like... Brad has a Rolodex in there. No, no. uh, Mitch and I won an award, like a a Broadcasters Association show, like whatever, a show award, when I ripped a phone book in half on on camera, like we had the camera going. Wow. Part of the show was, because there's a trick to doing it. Like, I can't remember the trick, but... There's a secret way that so like if we had the phone book because the the whole bit was that we have a phone book in here you know and I haven't gotten a phone book in my in my mail lately have, have you gotten a because no. every once in a while this big clunky thing will show up in my mailbox yeah. I'm like why why are we doing this right this is a complete waste of paper and I leave it in there for weeks and weeks and I'm just like can I hit can I write return to sender on it you can't really but six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talking text line UW lacrosse political science professor Dr Anthony Chagoski in here with me. And we were talking about the, you know, Trump Voss conversation, but I want to move this to because there's a debate Sunday, a Republican governor 
Last Sunday was the debate over um, the the Senate Democrats, and now it's going to be Republican governors. Three people in that debate or two? It's going to be, uh, yeah, Tim Michaels, Rebecca Clayfish, Tim Rampton. They're letting Rantham in there? He's, I believe because, so. Because they didn't let two or three, three of the Senate Democrats involved in the debate because they didn't hit a certain threshold for what, campaign money? <laughs> it's all just made up on the fly, right? Because they didn't want all eight candidates in that the makes debate. Sense. It's, but, a, it's a mess if you tried to but, do that. But Tim Tim Rantham, come on. Like, let's yeah. make something up to get him out of there then because although good, he'll be good theater maybe? Yeah. You know, he's not a serious contender, but he will mix things up because he is the furthest into the election conspiracy theories. He goes the furthest when he talks about he's literally elections. He's literally been in a fisticuffs with robin voss has he not was that him or was that someone else? yeah you know he he has confronted robin voss the assembly speaker he had an ethics complaint against robin voss because robin voss took tim ramthan off of committees and actually took tim ramthan's staff away from him so now tim ramthan doesn't have anyone working for him and so what did robin voss do well in the ethics complaint he billed the taxpayers for the lawyer to fight the ethics complaint that tim rampton had filed yeah there we go again we could have our (laughs) uh, taxpayers are paying for everybody's lawyers everybody's court fees everybody's court penalties like gableman's court you're going to be fined and contempt a thousand dollars a day you are or you know wisconsinites who are paying taxes anyway okay so with the governor debate coming up i don't like saying was it gubernatorial it's the stupidest word i change it in all the stories i'm like i'm not putting goober nobody i I need to stop using that word it's just a icky word yeah goober come on like yeah Yeah. that's what we think of all the governors that run all the country all the states um all right so anyway there's one there's a debate between those three on sunday and then um the stories over the past two weeks have really gone have really focused on Tim Michaels. Part of that is probably because we just don't know a lot about this guy, right? We've got to start figuring out about this guy because he's a quote-unquote political outsider. In fact, one of the stories was he's a quote-unquote political outsider that donates a whole bunch of money to the political insiders, something yeah. like that, or takes donations. Yeah, from I, I had a good conversation with someone who was kind of wondering about Tim Michaels. He's gotten all this attention about his campaign, And one of the questions that I got was, well, is he really an outsider? And I said, well, it just depends on how you define outsider. If you define outsider as someone who has never held political office, then, yeah, he is an outsider. He's never held political office. He ran for Senate in 2004 against Russ Feingold. Russ Feingold won that election, and that's the only race he's run before. But if you define outsider as someone who is just disconnected from politics, has nothing to do with politics— well, he's hardly an outsider then because he's given thousands of dollars to candidates, including some Democrats, but mainly to Republicans. He gave lots of money to Scott Walker and Rebecca Clayfish, who he's now running against for the Republican nomination for governor. So in terms of that, he's not an outsider. And his company has benefited enormously from government contracts. Yeah, Foxconn, right? Like Foxconn. I think he said he made billions yeah. off Foxconn. His money, his company made some serious dough off of Foxconn, the infrastructure projects associated with Foxconn. Yeah, not even Foxconn itself, all the like almost like the taxpayer money that that we had to build around Foxconn so that Foxconn could come in and not just be just a big cluster F because there's no there's no power, there's no roads, there's nothing, right? It was all farm and houses. Uh, that we got rid of, except that one house they held out. I think they sold out now, but 
Uh, we have to build this thing out of the in the middle of nowhere, and then we're still doing that. We're still building that. Yeah, that's the thing that's been interesting about the Foxconn experience because. A lot has been said about, well, how much in government subsidies went directly to Foxconn? And there have been some ways to limit how much money the state is giving directly to Foxconn. But as you said, Rick, there was an enormous amount of money spent by local governments getting the property, doing the infrastructure projects to get ready for the yeah, I mean, Foxconn you could, you construction could just go, that never happened. The taxpayer money didn't go to Foxconn, didn't go to this Taiwanese company. I believe it's Taiwanese, right? It was the largest tax giveaway to a foreign company in the history of the United States. Uh, but that money hasn't gone all the way there yet because they haven't done anything, really. And uh, that taxpayer money has gone to people like Tim Michaels and Michaels Corp, right? His construction company. I believe it's called Michaels Corp. Yep. And um, anyway, so that's well, one story. Tr- Trump called it the eighth wonder of the world. We know that the true eighth wonder of the world is the new Quick Trip on Mormon Cooley Road. Oh, that's the Taj Mahal of Quick Trip. The Taj Mahal of Quick Trip. the Taj Mahal of Quick Trip. You had to get that in there. I had to get Tr- it in. So the thing is, as I'm spitting cherry, cherry pits out and Tregoski's breaking down politics, on the flip side, all Tregoski wants to talk about is the new quick trip and whether or not he should go. Is it worth his time someone, to go? Someone text in or call in and tell me, because it is a little bit out of my way, should I go to the new quick trip? Because I want to know if it's worth the trip. Is is it worth Because it's not now, such a quick trip for you because you got to go on the south trip. side. You're going back to Alaska. i got to go on the south side. Um, all right. So Kent's been waiting here. Uh, Kent, you're calling back. Should, does does Chagoski need to go to the quick trip? Is it worth it? The new one? Hey, Doc, I was just in there this morning. I'm working at Daryl and Power part-time. You know, I'm a retired guy, but I got to work a little extra nowadays like everybody else. But I, I, I know what you're saying. It is. A, it's like the 10th wonder of the world. We're, we're down to t- number 10? All right. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so it sounds like he it sounds like, well, he didn't give and then I hung up on him. He didn't give a very good reason whether or not you should go. I went in there on day one when it opened and uh, it was a it was hard to drive around because a lot of cars were out there, even though the parking lot's huge. Um, there was a huge line at the, at the checkout, but there were three auto scanners or whatever you want to call them. Self checkout. There we go. And. Nobody was using those because okay. it was like it was like a deer in headlights. Like shoot, this those? is where I, as a millennial, come into play because I will gladly use the self checkouts, and I know a lot of people don't like them because they always screw up. They always there's always something that goes wrong with them, but I don't mind them. Yeah, the only time the self well not the only time, but a lot of times a I'll put the I won't put the thing on the weighted. After you scan that's it the, on the weighted where, thing. That's where they trip up. Yep. Yeah, I do that all the time. Girlfriend gets mad at me every time I do that. Also, it's like, it, put it, the items in the bag. And then if it screws up in any other way, if you want to, ta- oh, I double scan the thing and I only got one, then you have to have the attendee. And if the attendee is helping someone else at the self-checkout, because they have like four self-checkouts and one one worker manning the, the four of them, then you really got to wait because you're like, Ugh. You know, and then it's like you almost want to just grab your stuff and go to the next checkout and just leave that one. Like, I've not, no, I haven't done that. Um, but yeah, nobody at the Quick Trip was using that self checkout. And then I come with a hamburger sure. and I try to scan it, but the hamburger wrapper is all crushed, right? And then I'm the only guy, and everyone in the line is watching me try to, whoa, is that a self checkout? Is he using it? Well, apparently it doesn't work. That's why we weren't using it. And I'm sitting there trying to do it. And the 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 guy behind the counter is like, "Here, idiot!" Like, and then he does it for me, you know. Like, and I was like, <laughs> "Hey, it works!" Although I couldn't figure it out. Um, 
Yeah, it's just bigger. It's got it's okay. just like a little roomier in there. There's a place you could sit down and eat. I guess you you would you could take your wife and kid over there, maybe have a little have a little date. Have a little dinner. Date night. <laughs> at the new quick trip. <laughs> All right. I wanna I wanna we didn't really get finished with our Tim Michaels conversation. Yeah, and, yeah. And I wanna talk about what was the other thing I want to talk about? The uh the 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 culture war. Culture wars, oh. all that good stuff. We'll see if we have time. All right. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. A couple minutes. Ah, we got we got enough time here. I think we can get both these conversations in with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski or UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Anthony Chagoski, comma P H period Capital D yes. period. Something like that, right? Capital P, lowercase H, uppercase D. <laughs> uppercase D. But the period after P H? Yes. What is P H? P- Philosophy. Is it? Yeah. Of the, the philosophy of the doctor. I'm a, I'm a doctor philosophical. of philosophy. So shouldn't it be DPH? Yeah, probably. What are we doing? Department of Public Health. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, real quick, um, I'm trying to find. So we have livability.com. Yeah. Lacrosse getting a shout out. All right. Let, you you filibuster here. i got to find where, where it is well, on the list. Well, livability.com. It's not on the list. It, it, it's a ranking of the best places to live, right? Yeah, yeah, the livability ranks the most livable small and mid-sized cities in the U.S. And Lacrosse is right up there. Now, Madison is number one on the list, and we know that Madison is booming in terms of its population and its businesses. People are flocking to Madison. 2,300 cities they studied. Population's 500,000 or smaller. Madison's number one. And then I'll just do the Midwest. I'll do I'll do Wisconsin, Waukesha twelve, okay. Appleton thirty nine, Green Bay seventy four, Eau Claire seventy eight, Lacrosse eighty nine. So top one hundred. Hey, that's not bad out of twenty three hundred areas and to then be eighty ninth. And then uh, it says uh, rounding out the list, uh, Lacrosse editors acknowledge sometimes flies under the radar, but truly deserves the spotlight. Signature sites like Grandad Bluff, more than thirty arts organizations, the historic downtown, unique shopping. Diverse recreational opportunities and a stellar array of restaurants make this one Chick Fil A coming. Not yeah, oh, that might Chick-fil-A be the, on the way. Well, I always say Chick Fil A. Y- y- you know, Rick, I think what could make Lacrosse move up the list even further is all of this new housing that Mitch hat was talking about when he was on with you, Mayor Mitch Reynolds. That's in the pipeline. We have definitely a housing shortage here. Mitch is absolutely correct. I'm looking to make a move. My wife and I are looking to make a move, but you are absolutely paying a premium for houses that in a different market would be a starter home. And I think once lacrosse is able to increase its supply of housing, then it'll move up the list even more as a desirable place for people to be. But increasing the supply of housing is just absolutely essential and i'm really glad that all this new housing's in the pipeline i think mitch said too we were at like 54 percent of his rentals versus 46 percent. and i was like is that number and he said it's a little skewed but also we have three colleges here viterbo uwl and western tech right so it's a little skewed that way that we would have a little bit more rentals but yeah i when whenever we talk housing i'm like we need more houses that people gotta can have buy. more gotta have gotta more. have more it's that all people about can. the supply we need more that you can purchase though like that you can own as and, opposed and, to rent and mitch makes a good point you know if you build nice housing then that affects the market more broadly and if you increase the supply then that will have an effect on prices but it, it is crazy rick how so many communities 
around the country are absolutely kneecapping themselves by not building more housing. You have to build more housing to increase people's quality of life, give people an investment opportunity, give people places to move in if they want to start a new business or join the workforce in this area, help contribute to the growth. Gotta have more housing. Remember, and that's remember, what lacrosse seems to be doing a pretty good job of. I, I, this is, I, I kind of forget, but remember when the, the mall was for sale and one of the proposals was to get people to come back or business to come back to the mall or, or come to the mall in general. I think that grocery store really helped. I think part of that with the grocery store being there was to build housing like along the riverbank there. Good idea. Like, why wouldn't we do that? It's a great idea. Anything that adds housing, especially in those desirable areas. Is it desirable, though? First of all, okay, I'm going to live. Is it the Black River right there? I'm gonna, the backyard of my house would be Black River. That's cool. Front yard of my house would be the mall. Yeah, and true. that all that traffic and all that just just but also it would be kind of nice to just be able to walk to the also maybe not great because that high V would be open 24 seven and Chipotle is open. Well, usually till 10, although we went at nine and it was closed the other day. Uh, Chick-fil-A is right there. I might gain a thousand pounds if I lived <laughs> in the mall parking lot in a nice apartment there where I could just walk to the grocery store, walk to a quick trip that's open 24 hours. Oh, that that would be dangerous for me. Yeah, definitely. So now maybe we're rethinking this plan. Uh, housing cannot be too close to things that you can eat uh, for, just for the just for the <laughs> well-being of all of America. Because I think as a nation, we're just getting a little too obese. I think. I didn't, now we're not going to get to yeah. okay the Republican debate on Sunday. Republican debate. You expect Sunday. some quote unquote fireworks? Uh, I'm, I'm doing like yeah, absolutely. Because Scott Walker and Rebecca Clayfish are going after Tim Michaels, saying that he's basically a phony for his whole outsider branding, that he has been on different sides of different issues, that he hasn't been a consistent conservative in the way that they say Rebecca Clayfish has. We didn't even mention the fact that his campaign put out a fake endorsed by the NRA poster or whatever a campaign ad that said, Hey, we're endorsed by the NRA and the NRA is like, uh, we didn't endorse anyone and we didn't endorse you. Rick, this is an all timer. Like I love it when politicians spin. It's just so fun. He called it a technicality. Tim Michaels did when he claimed in a mailer to have an endorsement from the NRA when in fact he did not have an endorsement. He said, uh, it was just a, it's just a technicality. It's not a technicality when you don't have an endorsement and you say you do. Yeah, the te- technically you don't. Technically you don't have that endorsement. He's so, right. It's a technicality. Is, is he right? Is he right? Yeah, you just yeah. proved him right. You just uh, you just turned. But you, that that is just a massive mistake by Tim Michaels. If there is a group that you don't want on your bad side in a Republican primary, it's the NRA, and the NRA is now mad at him and rebecca clayfish is trying to capitalize on that i'm sure that will come up at the debate on sunday i'm really looking forward to it there weren't any fireworks in the democratic senate debate really i think this one will be quite different i'll be tuning in for sure in okay and then we just have 50 45 seconds the michael's a lot, a lot of stories on Michaels. Is that because he's an unknown and we need to get to know him because Rebecca Clayfish has been Governor Scott Walker's lieutenant governor and we know her already? Absolutely. We know a lot about Rebecca Clayfish. There's been a lot of reporting on her. She is a well-known quantity in terms of her political positions. There's not a lot that we know about Tim Michaels. We don't know how much money he makes. We don't know a lot about his stake in his company. There are questions about how much time he and his family actually spend in Wisconsin. I think it gives something for journalists to dig into, it certainly gives something for the opposition campaign to dig into.
All right, that's all the time we have today. Have a have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, Doctor Ch- uh, Ch- Chergosky, PhD. Thanks for Thank for you. joining me.